Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. everyone and welcome back into the belly up fantasy live football stream of course every other tuesday night at 8 30 we're gonna be talking about the wide receiver consistency grades and as always i'm joined here with lamaro adam dowhauer and we have a credible special guest taking time out of his busy night to join us here mr anthony servino host of the ff face-off NFL and betting guru for the game day NFL. And of course, he's a top 15 fantasy football ranker, which we all love. Anthony, how are you doing? What's going on, guys? How are you? Absolutely great. Thank you so much for taking out the time to come on and talk with us about the wide receiver consistency. Great. Uh, we're all very excited to jump in tonight's show. Lamaro, how you been today? I'm doing excellent. Good to be back. Adam? Doing great. Excited to talk wide receivers. One of my favorite positions to cover. And of course, Dow Howard. Oh, oh Dow Howard got your mic you. muted, buddy. Hold on one second. Hold on one second. Hey, go ahead. Try to take two on that one. Now you can hear me. Yeah. I now said, I said, I'm you. super excited. I said, what's up, MD Nation? I'm super excited to be here. Super excited to talk some football. Season's coming on. We got we had some free agency wrapping up. We got the draft coming. Let's get talking about football. Absolutely. Before we do, I actually have a, a question for Anthony, or more of a thing I wanted to get into. Because uh, my other show, the MD Spanish Football Show, that airs at 11 to 12.30 on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network on Fridays. We're also doing some polls lately to kind of get some interaction going. And Anthony uh, commented and shared one of them from last week, and I wanted to talk to him about it because it was pretty funny. Uh, the news about the Washington football team possibly having a permanent team name, that possibly being their permanent team name, came out and I was completely turned off by it and I put out a poll saying is it the laziest or the dumbest decision the organization has ever made but Anthony had a different take and he wasn't the only one which is why I wanted to ask him this question please tell me why you actually think the Washington football team is a good thing I kind of I was into it now at first last year I was like oh this isn't cool but once you saw the uniforms, they kept all of their redskin colors intact. Um, it, it almost reminds me of like the Alabama uniforms a little bit in college. So it's unique in that aspect. It has a very, you know, 1970s, uh, 1960s feel to it. Uh, and, and just the Washington football team. It's unique. Nobody else is doing it. And I think it's cool. 
Like, I, I don't like replacing uh, and, and, and the Redskins with the Sentinels or, or something like that. Like, what else are we going to call them? Let's just call them the football team. I, okay. Look, and I've heard that unique uh, debate before. And, yeah, it's unique because, I don't know, to me it's lazy. To me, if you have the, the marketing team, it's you call it the football team because you either have no ideas or you don't care enough to come up with an idea. <laughs> And for me, personally, yes, they kept the colors, so I get that, the historical reference there, maroon and yellow. And it's kind of hard to come up with a name, but, I mean, I'm just thinking I'd rather be called the Washington Hogs or, and keeping the colors intact and doing – I'd rather do anything. To me, it's just completely off-putting. But I had to ask Anthony about that because he quoted on it, like, and I wouldn't he wasn't it. alone. I wouldn't change it if I was them. I mean, it sounds like they're not going to. And you know, I I thought everybody was thinking along the lines of what I was on, and uh, apparently, apparently not. Next week, I'll probably have to do a new poll of you want them to keep it or change it, just to kind of get an idea of like, all right, where does everybody actually stand on the name now that I know there's so many people actually for it? But it's true, you're unique. Anybody else want to weigh in on this? I mean, I, I like understand. it too. Adam likes it too. Dahauer likes it too. All right, no, I, I, I guess mean, I'm in the minority. I'm I don't know. I, I no, I'm I'm not. I don't like it too. I think that uh, to your point, I I get the uniqueness of it, and I I think we had a conversation, you know, ourselves between the two of us, and we kind of talked about our feelings about this. I I think that's something that's unique that nobody else has, it, so I can understand the appeal in some senses. But overall, there's been tons of teams that changed their names. There's teams. There's ways to keep your colors. Yellow and red aren't the most unique colors in the world. I mean, we think we see them in I could be the Chiefs. I could be Forest State. I could be all kinds of different teams with yeah, the same colors. Yeah, I mean, it's a different shade, but yeah. Um, but I think that – and you could use the same shade. I understand the 60s, 70s feel. I appreciate that. I don't think you have to lose that feel necessarily to have a team name with your team. Um, you said like the Hogs. I don't think they need to go necessarily there, but it's kind of going the nostalgia route. That may be something that maybe they do look at. I just think it's kind of a, a cop-out, so to speak. And I mean – but I can respect it. Like I said, I understand the, the appeal that – there's not any other team that really named that, but I think that's for a reason. Yeah, Lamar, give your two cents. I, I got to side with you here, Dan. Uh, I feel like a bad team name is better than no team name. You know, I'm getting outside of NFL here a little bit, but we're looking at an NBA franchise named the New Orleans Pelicans. It's not bad enough they play at Smoothie King <laughs> Arena, but they're named the Pelicans, and I would still bet that they marketed better than the Washington football team last year. So I understand the whole Crimson Tide wanting to be good with the bland uniforms and all that sticking out in that way. But I can't get down with the Washington football team long-term. They need a name. All right. All right. Well, we had a little fun there. Let's get into some wide receivers. We've been talking about our consistency grades throughout this little series here. We come into the wide receivers. And this is the one I was probably looking forward to the most because the wide receivers are pretty much they are the best ones to talk about consistency grade wise because they have the most deviation from their consistency and where they actually finished. Uh, and again, for those who weren't with us for the last couple of episodes, our grades are going to be a little bit different than other people, because especially when it comes to the wide receivers and running backs, because we will calculate that you are a starter if you finished within the top 36, because we are calculating that if you finish in the top 36, you are a viable flex play. Therefore, you are a viable person to be starting in a particular person's lineup. So kicking things off, we got Stefan Diggs, and there's a lot of things to talk about when it comes to Stefan Diggs, mostly 
is it can he repeat? And that's, that's essentially what it's centered around. Can he repeat the targets? Can he repeat being number one? Can that Buffalo offense repeat? Can Josh Allen repeat? It all kind of goes hand in hand. Anthony, what, what are your thoughts on Stephon Diggs being the, the top consistent receiver again next year? I think he has a very good shot of repeating. If you look what Buffalo has done with their backfield, nothing of, of note as of yet. Um, with, they didn't run the ball a lot last year. They lost John Brown, who's still a really good receiver and had a really good rapport uh, with Josh Allen. They bring in Manny Sanders, and, and he'll have a little bit of an impact. I know people are clamoring for Gabriel Davis, but all signs are pointing to Stefan Diggs having another big year. And I've always been a Stefan Diggs guy dating back uh, to his Vikings days. And, and me and my co-host at the FF Faceoff, he's a Thielen guy. I always sided with Diggs. And finally, when he gets a shot to be the guy in the right offense, I, I think we're seeing the true ceiling of Stefan Diggs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were both on the same page when it came to Stefan. I was always Stefan over Adam Thielen myself. Uh, Dow Hauer, what, what's your feelings on Stefan Diggs? And maybe more so, do you think Josh Allen can continue to be consistent as he was this past season to really make that happen? I, I think to Anthony's point, the volume is going to be there. Buffalo likes to throw the ball. Um, they had the same coordinator. They're bringing, pretty much rolling back the same kind of ideology moving forward. I think you're going to see Josh Allen probably utilize less and less as a runner. That's what teams seem to typically do as they kind of decide whether or not to invest in these guys. Um, so I think that you're definitely going to see the volume there. And I also think one of the things Diggs has going for him is he can line up anywhere on the field. Um, as long as one of the things I thought he got kind of hindered by with the Vikings, you talk talking about Thielen, is as Thielen played more and more slot, Diggs was forced to kind of be the key outside receiver and kind of couldn't avoid mismatches and had to kind of always fight the top corner. I think with Buffalo, you see him motioned a lot. You see him utilize different places in the formations. It reminds me a lot of Antonio Brown's usage, and that's kind of how I was always kind of—I was always a big fan myself. Um, I think he's got a, a lot of that kind of skill set, and I think as long as he's going to get the targets, which I think will be, always be there because he's—he can get short, he can get long. Um, he's going to be consistent. Yeah, I mean the the signing of Matt Breida makes you feel like they're probably not going to necessarily upgrade from Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. That they're kind of kind of roll with it. And, I mean, Adam, does that mean that this kind of leads into what Chris just said, what Anthony's reiterating, uh, with them kind of having the same ideology in your mind? Is this possible? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think uh, it's pretty likely he repeats similar production to what he had last year. I mean, you look at it, he didn't miss a beat in December. I think that, to me, would have been the biggest worry is if you saw a drop-off there in the, the uh, fantasy playoffs, but there wasn't one. Um despite them, you know, throwing in the winter. So I avoid that, and I don't think there's any reason to suggest that, um, you know, he loses any value. Cal, uh, uh, I'm sorry. Stephon Diggs has 162 targets. The next guy was Devontae Adams with 146 targets. Now, Devontae Adams might have clipped him had he actually played full 16-game season. But 162 targets, that's a lot. Here's what I'll say. Diggs looked like he really relished being the number one receiver. So, Lamaro, when you're looking at 162, should there be a regression there? But does that matter? I don't. I don't see a big regression just because of how, just because of the connection that that Josh Allen has with Stephon Diggs and Emmanuel Sanders coming in. He's kind of a similar uh, fit as John Brown. They're both older receivers, still both speedy guys, but not going to take away that much attention. I know John Brown was hurt most of last season. 
but neither guy's really going to take much attention uh, away from Josh Allen throwing to Stephon Diggs. So I don't believe that there's going to be much regression in his targets. Maybe I could see like 10 or 15 less targets, but I still see Diggs producing at a high level because I actually think Josh Allen's going to take another step forward this year and um, kind of a quiet point. Yeah, I really think so. I think this is the year. He's the golden arm. But the Bills brought back uh, Darrell Williams and John Felicia. Step aside, Mahomes. Here comes Josh Allen. Says Lamar. <laughs> oh, oh, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, look, I, there's going to be a regression in some sense because I just can't see him getting 162 targets again. But is that regression 162 to 140? And does that matter? I think that's more what right. it boils down to. Manuel Sanders, you're not going to scare me. In, in fact, does he play as much as John Brown did? Yeah, more likely. We just got to, you know, we got word today officially there's going to be a 17 game season. We were all expecting that. So the numbers are going to have to kind of change as a result. Anthony, let me ask you about that real quick. When you are going to look to rank out and project out when you're looking at these 17 games, are you going to bother with that 18th week, that 17th game, and keep it at 16 games? Or are you actually going to account, uh, calculate that into your rankings this year? You know, I, I'm going to take a, a wait-and-see approach because we don't know how teams are going to react to this. And we talked about this on my show uh, yesterday, and it's like, you know, can we potentially see, uh, like what the NBA is doing, and there's 82 games, and we see a lot of their superstars, they take nights off. It's still it's one more game. So you would think we're not going to say, uh, okay, you know, come buy my season tickets and you're not going to get Aaron Rodgers for two games. We're not going to tell you which two games are. That's not going to happen. So I'm going to continue to rank and project as if these guys are going to be in the lineup. Uh, now, at the end of the year, let's say if Buffalo is doing really well, are they going to rest a Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen? Probably, but I'm already considering that in a 16-game slate. Right. So I'm, I'm kind of overreact you. to anything like, oh, they're going to start resting start. That's not going to happen. No, this is the NFL. I, I 100% agree with you. This is the NFL. And yes, there was always that risk, even when it was week 17 in the 16th game. If you were in the playoffs or in a situation, maybe some guys would rest, but it doesn't change here. I believe it just gets extended out one more game where it's that 17th game where maybe, maybe they don't play. But that's why most fantasy football championships aren't going to happen week 18. If anything, I think the fantasy season will just can, will just extend one week with the NFL season where your championships might be week 17, but the 16th game. That's it. So for me personally, when it comes to the preseason rankings that I'll be doing, it, I'm going to be incorporating just those 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 16 games that we would because I usually would leave off that last week anyway. And then as the in-season goes, of course, that's always a week-to-week factor that you'll be will know anyway. So it's not going to change too much for me other than we're just going to extend it out maybe one game. Let's talk about Calvin Ridley. And he's number two on our list. 93% of the time he finished in the top 36. And again, if you want to check out how many times these guys finished in the top five, top 10, top 15, or, or top 36, you can go to bellyupfantasysports.com, go to the research tab. We have it all laid out for you guys there. I think my more important question when it comes to Calvin Ridley is, is this the year he truly usurps Julio Jones? Because last year, I don't think really counts in a lot of people's minds due to the fact that Julio only played, I, th- I believe, about nine games. So uh, Lamar, we'll start with you on this one. What do you think about Calvin Ridley? Does he continue this elite performance? Is he the number one over Julio Jones? 
I would say in fantasy he is for sure. I'm not sure if he's the number one in, the, in, in Matt Ryan's mind, being that he's probably going to be under center for most of the season for the Falcons barring injury. Uh, I do see the Falcons taking a quarterback, but whoever they take, I don't see him playing this year. So I still think that uh, Julio Jones is going to command the most attention from Matt Ryan if he's healthy, but Calvin Ridley is a big play receiver in that offense. So if you're looking at it from just a fantasy perspective, I would definitely look at Calvin Ridley as the wide receiver one over Julio Jones. What are your thoughts, Adam? Um, I, I think it's tricky to call really either of them the, the true wide receiver one. When they were both on the field last year, they were both averaging about the same amount of targets, about the same amount of uh, yards. Uh, I don't think that um, – I do not think that Ridley's stats were really boosted all that much from losing Julio. If anything, he gained an extra target or two, but those targets were a little less efficient. So it seemed to balance itself out pretty well. Um, I think he could take a step forward, but I'm not sure by how much. I don't think it would be by a lot. I like that you hit on the fact that Calvin Ridley did get a target or two more because one of the questions that you have to have in this situation is Calvin Ridley without Julio, what is he? Is he is he a guy who can't take on that top corner? Is he a wide receiver too? He answered that question last year. That was completely answered where you could be the number one guy, you could be getting double covered, you can be matched up in the top corner, you're still going to produce as an elite receiver. So that question was answered. Dowhower, is there anything about the Arthur Smith uh, coaching now does anything about the scheme change do anything in your mind when it comes to these two receivers i mean i think it's got to be interesting you're going from a, a pass uh happy coordinator dick carter that to a a guy who's known basically to pass the last resort um you saw in aj brown was pretty much the primary target um receiver in the tennessee offense last year Corey davis had a decent year but you're kind of curious to see who becomes that Corey davis who gets that five to those four or five targets per game. I don't know if Atlanta has established who they're going to have as their key running back yet, but I would imagine they are trying to build an identity as a more physical team. Um, and if that's the case, I do think you're going to see both these players, you know, have some question marks around them and see who kind of rises in the system. Um, Skill set wise, I think that Ridley has opportunity to do well in PPR because you see some of the guys like a Corey Davis or AJ Humphrey, um, I mean, Adam Humphreys, um, be able to be utilized in Tennessee's offense in a pretty consistent manner, but like I said, not really get more than five or six targets. But you saw A.J. Brown, a big, strong target, especially with those slants, especially those deep crosses when you're using the play action that Arthur Smith likes to use. And is that the guy they're kind of using in more so in their typical game planning? So I think it's kind of, it'll be interesting to kind of, you know, unfold as the season progresses. What are you feeling, Anthony? Um, I, I like that you brought up Arthur Smith because I am a little bit worried about scheme change. They brought in Mike Davis, who I think is a really good fit if he is going to be the starting running back on the team. Uh, you know, he's an upgrade over Todd Gurley. He's an upgrade uh, over Brian Hill. They're both free agents, probably unlikely to come back. Edo Smith is lingering on the roster. Kadri Allison, this should be Mike Davis's backfield. And I think the Falcons are a team with so many defensive needs now, especially in the secondary. Two guys already signed with Dallas. Uh, so yeah. they need to fill those needs. They cannot go and draft a running back early. 
They need to get this defense better. If this defense shows any signs of, of improving, are the Falcons going to be the number three team in passing plays per game? There's going to be a lot of changes in Atlanta, uh, so we could see a decrease in volume for all parties involved at the wide receiver position. That being said, Calvin Ridley uh, and Julio Jones, they're the 1A and 1B. I, I, I do think it's still going to be Julio in the minds of uh, of, a, of a Matt Ryan, but we do know, as, as you said, that Calvin Ridley is a number one wide receiver. It's a matter of when, it, when will it be his time? Uh, when will Julio either fade or, or move on to another chapter? I like Calvin Ridley, uh, Ridley a lot in fantasy, but could we see a regression because of all the changes in Atlanta? I'll say yes, but until I see it, this is another. I'm, I'm, I need to see it before I react. Uh, so as of now, I'm going to continue uh, as if Ridley's going to be a, a top fantasy receiving option. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think you hit the nail on the head where at the end of the day, you're still talking about two guys who frankly could finish in the top 12, depending on what Atlanta does defensively. And I think that's the key. And I was actually going to ask you about that. And you kind of hit you kind of hit it already. Where you think they're going to go draft uh, defense early because that's my thoughts in the second. We don't know exactly what they're going to do in the first round yet. But my thought is in the second round, having a high second round pick, if you have a Travis Etienne or maybe more importantly, more of a scheme fit, a Najee Harris sitting there possibly, if they go that route, I think we get the answer to our question as to what Arthur Smith is going to want to run. And therefore, there's going to be a lot less, to your guys' point, volume. And it's going to kind of take away from everybody. As far as Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley goes, uh, I, I agree with everyone saying about Julio Jones being number one in Matt Ryan's mind. I do wonder if he's the number one in the organization's mind, though, because they have to have in the back of their heads that come 2022, Julio Jones, is more likely than not, I would think at this point, is not going to be there. Whether it be through trade or, or or cuts or what have you, I think the time is that they're going to be moving on from him soon, and it's really going to depend. It's always going to depend on health, but with Julio, it really does depend on health because he's had a lot of lower leg nagging injuries, been getting in the way, and that's where I think Calvin Ridley will ultimately, from a fantasy standpoint, finish as the number one receiver in the Atlanta because he'll actually be on the field more. So I'm going to draft Calvin Ridley ahead of Julio Jones. I'm going to rank Calvin Ridley ahead of Julio Jones this year. They'll still be top. They'll still be at the top area, not getting crazy. But I am going to have Calvin Ridley ahead for that factor. I want to move on here. Tyree Kill is another very curious case, and I kind of want to lump in Tyree Kill and Devontae Adams because I think they're both guys that had crazy touchdown project, uh, production last season. Devontae Adams had 18 touchdowns. Tyree Kill had 15. When you're looking at these guys, and they were 87 86%, they're still... They were the top two receivers, but they were three and four in consistency. Just kind of shows you the fluctuation when it comes to the wide receiver position. What are we looking at in the Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams? Is there repeat performances on the horizon? Do we have to compensate for some regression? Um, you know, with the Chiefs, the thing first thing that pops into my mind is that everything centered around Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, and not that they weren't always the top targets to begin with, but usually there's a little bit more of a spreading out, a little bit more running. I got to think Clyde Solaire gets more involved. Anthony, when you're looking at a Tyreek Hill, what, what, what are you, what are you, what are you thinking as far as can he continue on this, this double digit touchdowns that he was on this season? I mean, Tyreek Hill, I, I mean, I, I've never seen anything like it. Uh, Sammy Watkins is gone. That that's really a non-factor here. It is going to be Tyreek Hill. It is going to be Travis Kelsey. Now, can Tyreek Hill continue this way? As long as Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes, I I, I can't say no. 
Right. You know, it's just like you bring up Devontae Adams. It wasn't just this year in which Devontae Adams was blowing up. If you go back to last season or, or what is it, 2019, Yeah, he was a monster in 2019 too in terms of what he was doing in fantasy. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Uh, so it's a matter of, you know, it's Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, not much else at pass catcher. And then in Kansas City, you have Kelsey, you have Tyreek Hill, but behind them, there's nothing. And these are both high-volume passing attacks, high-scoring offenses, and two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Adam, do you think that Matt LaFleur will kind of go back to what he did in 2019 where they let Andrew Jones run the football in instead of Aaron Rodgers throwing the football all the time like they did this past year? Or do you think they'll continue with what they did in 2020 instead? Um, I think that could go either way. But, uh, I mean, as for what's been said, like Aaron Rodgers definitely trusts Devontae Adams with the ball much more than he does any of his other targets. So if it's in Aaron Rodgers' hands, like if Aaron Rodgers is throwing the ball in the red zone, it's very likely going to Devontae Adams. So unless those touchdowns go to Aaron Jones, it will be Devontae Adams, I think. I don't think any of the other receivers are going to take much up from them. I mean, and it looks like Green Bay, once again, will not be adding another wide receiver. As soon as they signed Devin Funches, I was like, oh, all aboard. Here comes Alan (laughs) Sars, number two again. Got it, Anthony. Since 2016, Devontae Adams has had double-digit touchdowns in every season but 2019, and he only played in 12 games. And that was kind of an awkward year with the first year in, in LaFleur's offense. Well, it, and that was why I brought that up, because that was also the year Aaron Jones went crazy scoring touchdowns, and they were kind of running the ball more than they got in the red zone. So it's which one are you kind of kind of see? Dowhart, when you're looking at Devontae Adams, you're looking at Tyreek Hill, should these guys be the top two guys because of their high-volume offenses, because they are consistent, because they're such monsters, or, or are they going to take a little bit of regression in your mind? Well, I still think Stephon Dykes has got to be considered as one of the top guys, but I think these are amongst the top three guys. Um, I like these two better than Calvin Ridley. Um, I think that when you look at Tyreek Hill's skills, they translate no matter where he's on the field. He can score in the red zone. He can score from 80 yards away. The thing I would worry about maybe is a little bit of regression of touchdowns. You don't see receivers consistently have back-to-back 15, 15 touchdown seasons. Um, same thing with Adams. I'm kind of like concerned about maybe there's a little regression of touchdown-wise. But their usage I don't really see changing much. As Anthony kind of pointed out, um, neither one of these teams has done a whole lot this offseason to add a whole lot of other pieces to take away targets. Kansas City's kind of against the salary cap, a lot of issues other than, you know, just their offensive line. But you, you can't imagine they're going to spend much of their draft capital or any much, much free agency adding more playmakers to that offense. Um, he had a Levy on Bell, and he could barely, you know, 
barely utilized. So I think you're going to continue to see Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, you know, eat from week to week, especially um, especially Hill's ability, like I said, to score from anywhere. And then Devontae Adams is probably my most consistent receiver. I think him and Diggs are the big um, would be the big argument. Devontae Adams, as long as he's healthy, Aaron Rodgers is going to throw him the ball. I mean, that's been a given since he's been out there. Uh, it doesn't matter if he's double teamed, doesn't matter if he's triple teamed. Um, Aaron Rodgers has a good feel for him, and he likes to he likes to look for him in the red zone. I think that continues. Like I said, I just think it's going to be a little hard to have as many touchdowns as he had last year because you don't see that consistently really happen very often. But I just think it's as Anthony kind of pointed out. Like I said, double digit touchdowns is probably a given. What do you think, Lamaro? I have to agree there. I don't think volume is going to change for either of these guys because I think both the Chiefs and the Packers are going to struggle a little bit more uh, running the football this year. Uh, the Packers lost Corey Lindsley to the Chargers in the offseason, and uh, I believe the Chiefs cut Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher. So those are key losses on the line for both teams. And if you're looking at just what the Chiefs have in the in the backfield in terms of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he's more of a, a Darren Sproles type of running back. He's not proven yet that he can necessarily be a power back. He's undersized for his position. So I see the Chiefs needing to air it out. And uh, as long as they can keep Patrick Mahomes healthy, which is a big question mark with the losses, I see Tyreek Hill have another big year. And same thing uh, on the on the Packers side, not going to be able to run the balls effectively, so they're going to need to air it out to Devontae again. You know, since since week and here's just a note on Adams: since week one of 2018, including the playoffs, Devontae Adams has played in 45 games. He scored a touchdown or went over 100 yards in 36 of them. It's why he's going to be my number one. Same. Yeah, yeah it's, me, it's me why well. he's going to be my number one. The, the, touchdown, the touchdown, every everything from the touchdowns to the target to the target share on the team to Aaron Rodgers to not having competition, it, everything screams Devontae Adams has to be your number one. The only thing you worry about Devontae Adams is he seems to have this little hamstring injury that crops up for like a couple of games every year. He's gonna be your number one. He's gonna be the top five consistency. And with Tyree Kill, I laugh. I mean, I, I I live in Jersey. I'm around the Philadelphia area. I'm not an Eagles fan, but I'm in the Philadelphia area. And and I go back to his days in Philadelphia where he would forget to run the football. And now that he has Patrick Mahomes, it's like on crack times ten, he'll forget to run the football. So that's that's what you don't have to worry about the volume of it. And and now. I mean, I don't believe in, in Miko Harbin as a true number two receiver. I don't believe in Demarcus Robinson. So unless they're going to add somebody that we're not seeing, unless they're going to draft somebody that we're not seeing, I, it's going to be centered around Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill one more year. So for me, it's going to be Adams number one. I think I'm going to have Stephon number two just because, again, he's he's, he's the guy. He's, he's, he doesn't even have a Travis Kelsey he has to worry about. But then I'm going to have Tyree Kill right there at number three. Uh, just the explosiveness, the volume, everything's right there for them to continue this success and also the coaching styles of it. And I don't think Matt LaFleur thing, I don't think Matt LaFleur goes back to running the football all the time with, with, with Aaron Jones because of how effective and how much better, frankly, I thought the Packers offense was this past season by just, you know what, this is Aaron Rodgers. We'll just let him do his thing. There's a curious case on the next guy that we want to talk about, and that's Will Fuller. I couldn't believe it when I started doing my numbers that he was actually the number five consistent receiver 80% of the time, finishing the top 36. Uh, this is a guy who has always been considered streaky. And, you know, there's a lot of things that come unpacked when you're talking about a Will Fuller right now. It's, oh, this was your first healthy season, except for you got busted taking PED. So is that the reason that you had a healthy season? And now you're going to Miami where, Tua, I think, throws a nice deep ball, but doesn't throw it very often. Just ask Devontae Parker. It's an, it's, an off, it's an offense that has a very good defense. They don't have to get in as many shootouts. 
So while I love Will Fuller, the talent, and I don't believe that the PEDs made him or anything like that. So we're not going to go in that direction. But when you have Devontae Parker, when you have two of there, I don't know if Will Fuller's that guy that you're taking, let's say, in the fourth, fifth round, thinking that you got a guy who's going to win you the week like you were thinking about before. We'll start with Lamar on this one. What do you think, Lamar? I'm so shaky on Will Fuller this season, just primarily because of the quarterback issues. It, you wouldn't think that the departure of Fitzmagic would be a big deal, but like you mentioned, Tua doesn't throw the deep ball often. He's a super conservative quarterback at this point in his career. Uh, Will Fuller is a deep threat type of receiver. Uh, barring injury, he's one of the best deep threat receivers in the league. I'm just it's, – it's more about the landing spot. Not so much an issue with Will Fuller and what I think he can do on the field. It's more so about his landing spot in Miami. I'm just not sure – that he's going to be able to produce at a high level for fantasy purposes this year. I'm sure he'll be a great fit on that team and they'll help the young quarterback, but I don't see him being a, a great fantasy option. I just want him to be priced at $4,500 in DFS. So I can plug him in every Sunday. <laughs> Go ahead, Adam, what do you think? Um, I think we could see a more, maybe not the same ceiling that he's had in years, years past, but I think he could be a more, a much more consistent option because I don't think we've seen Tua with anyone outside of like, maybe Gesicki when he's got a good matchup that gets a lot of separation. Devontae Parker, I mean, he's got very sure hands, sure, but he doesn't get away from defenders very often. And I, like, I think for a young quarterback, someone that will do that for him could be huge. Now, obviously, the fact that he's uh, only played over 13 games once, which was his rookie year, and then 11 games or less every year since then is a problem. But when he's on the field, I think this could be a pretty consistent year for him since he's uh, kind of made himself less of just a deep threat. And not to mention he's going to be suspended for week one of this season. Dowhauer, when when you're looking at the Dolphins passing attack, I mean, are you even attacking from a fantasy perspective Will Fuller or Devontae Parker? I am. I'm, I, I'm a big Tua fan. I think that we haven't really got to see what Tua has to bring to the table yet. Um, I think he's put in a situation where you were comparing the Fitzmagic and, and what he kind of did for Miami's offense. That offensive line wasn't anything special. Those running backs were decent. Um, there, there's not a lot of separation, as, as Adam alluded to, in the receiver position. Um, when Preston Williams got hurt, they really had no second receiver to even really worry about. So that's why Parker had even a harder time getting any kind of separation. I think, too, his job was not to lose the game last year, and I think that's kind of how he played. I think this year you're going to see him kind of unshackled, so to speak. Um, I'm not worried about the deep ball. I think when Alabama, we saw them when he came out that freshman year and came in that championship game, there's plenty of deep balls. There's plenty of accuracy. I think this guy is going to, is a bona fide star in the making. And I think you put talent around them. He's going to be effective. I think Wolf floor is a fantastic signing. Um, and I think fantasy wise, I think he, as you know, they kind of alluded to it by him increasing his ability to run patterns and, and be more than just a, a one trick pony. It's all going to come down to health. If you think Wolf floor is going to be healthy, I think you have to draft him because he's going to be productive. Um, you play the Jets twice twice a year. Um, I think there's plenty of opportunity to have big plays and big games. So, yeah, I, I, I'm a big Will Fuller fan and Miami fan overall. I didn't think about that. The Jets twice a year. <laughs> that saves his value all by itself. <laughs> what are you thinking, Anthony? I'm, I'm in on Will Fuller. And, you know, injury history aside, he was asked to be the number one wide receiver last year in Houston, and he delivered. Um, however... You have Deshaun Watson, and then you're going from Deshaun Watson to Tua. And if you can't tell, I'm not a Tua guy. I think he's a nice guy, I'm sure, off the field. But as a football player, I have questions about Tua. 
And they're going to surround him with Will Fuller, Devontae Parker, you know, Gasecki, who's from, you know, about 20 minutes north of me. Uh, real great players. What are they going to do? They, they trade it back up. Is that to go get a Kyle Pitts and start running two more, uh, two tight end sets? Are they going to add another wide receiver? Uh, I, I think they're going to give to it every reason to succeed. I, I just don't know how much I believe in it. Uh, one of you guys brought up the defense. The defense is going to be outstanding. There's not going to be a lot of shootouts. So in terms of Will Fuller's fantasy value. I, I think if you're buying into Tua, you're going to buy into Will Fuller and overdraft him. If you're in a league that's maybe they don't really trust Tua like I don't, uh, you could probably get Will Fuller at a value. So he's the type of player this year that uh, that's all that's price driven, completely price driven for me. As if I'm going to roster him or not. Yeah, it's 100% ADP in my book as well. I am a believer in Tua, but my problem from a fantasy standpoint is going to be, I think they did trade back up to number six to get another weapon, whether that be Jabbar Chase or whoever. And I think ultimately what it's going to come down to is that you're not going to be in a lot of shootouts and you're going to have a lot of people who want to touch the ball. You have Mike Isicki and and Devontae Parker, Will Fuller, uh, whoever's coming out of the backfield, because they usually have a good pass catcher coming out of the backfield, and then whatever X player, because I do believe it's going to be a Jabbar P- Chase or Kyle Pitts. And I think there's too many people to go around where even if I believe two, it can be great, I still don't think there's going to be enough volume for anybody there. So it's going to be an ADP value for me when it comes to Will Fuller, Devontae Parker. I'm not taking these guys... I mean, when redraft purposes, I'm not taking them any earlier in the eighth round. Now, I want to look at from a dynasty lens real quickly. I do want to roll the dice on a Wolf Fuller because you don't know where he's going to wind up next year, and I do believe he's a big impact player. So from that standpoint, I want to stand pat on a Wolf Fuller guy. But I do want to move on. I want to talk about Alan, I want to start lumping these guys together, but we need to talk about Allen Robinson separately because he just he just I feel so bad for this guy. I really really do. <laughs> like, you you thought maybe you escaped Mitchell Trubisky only to get hit with Andy Dalton. And it's just like, oh, man, like, what is, what is going on? Dow Howard, you used to be a Bears fan. You're an ex-Bears fan because you just couldn't take it anymore. You just throw up the white flag. You're just like, that's it. I'm done. It's over. Mitchell Trubisky was enough. Yep. Mahomes over <laughs> Trubisky. We need to take a Trubisky over Mahomes. And trading a pick for the 49ers for a guy they weren't even going to pick. I'll never understand that. Yes. Um, Al- <laughs> bitter. Yes, I am bitter. Um, Allen Robinson... <laughs> You, you forgot one of the scrubby quarterback he played with, and that's Blake Bortles. This man has overcome pretty much his entire career of, of crappy quarterbacks. Um, so I definitely feel bad for the man, but I think that just shows you how good he really is. And I do think Andy Dalton, as much as I'm not a big fan of his and not a big fan of Sonny at all, um, unfortunately is better than Nick Foles and Mitchell Trubisky. Um, I think when A. Dalton was healthy and he played behind Dallas, you saw Amari Cooper get his targets. He's going to throw when he was in Cincinnati. AJ DeGreen got his targets. I don't see that changing. Um, I think the Bears' offensive line is particularly good. So I think there's not going to be a whole lot of second and third options. Uh, you saw Bill Lazor's offense when he ran Cincinnati. He likes to use that primary receiver a lot. And you saw Allen Robinson's targets go up a lot when he took over as offensive coordinator last year, or, or the play calling, I should say. Um, and I think that's going to continue. I think that you're going to see Allen Robinson be the guy, particularly because they have to kind of justify bringing him back, and they have to make those quarterbacks look decent somehow. Who else are you going to throw the ball to? <laughs> yeah, Anthony, I'm glad you uh, – Chris, I'm glad you mentioned the the Bill Lazor thing. Anthony, is, is Bill Lazor calling the plays enough to overcome whatever average quarterback at best is back there throwing him the ball? 
Uh, I like Bill Lazor a lot, and, and actually you brought up uh, Lazor in, in Cincinnati with Dalton. It was one of Dalton's more productive runs uh, with any offensive coordinator. So I think this, it's the right fit. We know Allen Robinson is going to be productive no matter uh, who's that quarterback. We might, not, we might not ever see his true ceiling, but I think Andy Dalton's very capable uh, of getting the job done. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm a little bit more bullish on Andy Dalton than the consensus, and and, and I think he's an upgrade as long as the mm-hmm. offensive line's intact. Now uh, that's my issue here. Uh, Trubisky is a hell of a lot more mobile than Andy Dalton. I think all, uh, this whole room is more mobile than Andy Dalton. So if the Bears can get the protection down. Andy Dalton should have a, a pretty good year, and I have no issue with drafting Allen Robinson, assuming he's going to have another top 12 season. Lamar, Allen Robinson, you know, is this guy, Just you just plug and play him knowing that he's going to be a low-end wide receiver one and he called it a day? When you catch 100 balls with uh, Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles as your quarterback, you got something going for you. So, yes, you got to plug and play him. And I, I, don't, I think Andy Dalton is still a top 30 quarterback in the league. He, he's, he's damn close to 30. He's damn close to 30. All right? But I think he's a step up. He's a step up from Mitch and, uh, and Nick Foles. So I think Robinson's going to have another big year playing on the franchise tag. Adam, I think you live closest to Chicago. Can we send you out there and try to get you a tryout, and and maybe that'll be an improvement. Some Chase kind of Daniel way. plays. Yeah, <laughs> could be Chase Daniel. But yeah, I think you guys have pretty much hit it on the head. I mean, at worst, at worst, absolute worst, Andy Dalton's a lateral move, and we've seen what Allen Robinson did, especially you know in that second part of the year. So I have very little concerns. And in terms of dynasty, if um, you know. The owner thinks that maybe after he might get a long-term deal done, you might want to buy him because I don't think – I cannot imagine unless that something happens at the quarterback position in Chicago other than Andy Dalton that he's there for very much longer. You know, for what it's worth, Andy Dalton uh, from weeks 11 to 17 and which you know, he was healthy for that stretch, he was the QB 12. Last season. Yeah, last season. In that, in that stretch – he had uh, in that same eleven to seventeen stretch, Amari Cooper, wide receiver, twenty four, Lamb, twenty eight, Gallup, twenty nine. He can get the ball to his playmakers. That's always been. I mean, look at AJ Green. He can get the ball to his playmakers. And even when Tyler Boyd came along, he would still be able to get to him. That, that is the one thing he can do. Is it always going to be pretty? Nope. Is it going? Do you want to play him during prime time? Nope. But. You can get the ball to his players, and that's why Allen Robinson. Well, he just he'll stay that low end wide receiver one to me. Andy Dalton in that stretch. I mean, uh, quarterback thirteen was Russell Wilson. And I know Russell Wilson took a nosedive. Uh, <laughs> Kyler, Kyler Murray QB fourteen. No, that that I'm glad you brought that up though, Andy, because that is the the definition of perception versus reality when you start to look at that. Because the perception of Andy You're, Dalton was that he was where Tua was. <laughs> I'm still scrolling down. <laughs> he's like, I can just like, no, I got all these numbers. No, <laughs> this is not what happened. No, but that is the perception versus reality with with Dalton is that he was just beyond terrible. And the fact is, you know what? Especially when it came to getting the ball to his weapons, he he wasn't. He wasn't absolute garbage. It was just it was a bad situation there in Dallas. Really, frankly, and overall, I want to move on though. I want to talk about. I want to lump these two together because they're kind of in a similar situation. I want to start with Adam because I want to start off with the dynasty perspective on these guys. Chris Godwin, Deontay Johnson, both kind of in similar situations where they are going to be, and their their quarterbacks are older. 
They are on teams that have multiple weapons, multiple target hogs. Which one of these guys from a from a we'll talk about next year too, but which one of these guys from a dynasty perspective do you feel more confident about moving forward? I mean, Chris Godwin's still on a one year deal. It's not a given that Deontay Johnson's definitely back next season. What what are you looking at there? I mean, I they are very, very close. I think I would have to lean Chris Godwin just because I think he's the the better talent. But in terms of like I don't think either of them have a very much of a drop off really. Um, I mean, the A.B. and Mike Evans, especially like A.B. getting added, uh, uh, Chris Godwin only played four games before A.B., you know, started playing a lot. So I, it's not going to change what Chris Godwin did from last year. You know, obviously, hopefully he gets a, a healthy season in, a full season in. Um, and with Deontay Johnson, in the future, like if it's another team or past the Big Ben era, uh, the drops could be an issue. But as for right now, unless they – there's no way that they can fix both the offensive line and the the running back situation in one offseason at this point. Like, there's just not enough players. There's not enough draft capital for them to fix both. So fix the offensive line, that's great. Get a running back, that's great. I don't think for this year that impacts Deontay Johnson. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. I think the one thing that is interesting when it comes to these guys, though, is that you know, Chris Godwin plays 12 games. He finished at half point PPR anyway. He finishes wide receiver 32. Deontay Johnson, wide receiver 22, and he played a full season. Or I, I believe he missed one game, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. So Chris Godwin, even with an Antonio Brown and a Mike Evans and a new quarterback, I still think he's the better player. I just do. And that's kind of where I'm going to lean a bit. But uh, what do you think, Dahar? I think I tend to agree with the better player aspect. I think Godwin's more of an overall mismatch. I think he's physically more gifted. He has more strength. Um, Deontay Johnson is an excellent quick receiver. I think the the questions you have with Pittsburgh is they're going to have a change of coordinator. You don't really know how the offense is going to necessarily change. They did bring back Juju. um, And they also have Claypool, who could still take another step. I mean, he had some big games last year, but he wasn't necessarily a featured part of their offense. Um, I do wonder if Deontay Johnson does get lost from game to game where the consistency is kind of something that is lacking there because they have a different change in the offensive scheme. I don't think they drop back the ball and drop back and throw 50 times again this year like they were last year, a lot of the games. Um, I think you're going to see a little bit more of a conservative Pittsburgh offense um, overall and more run-oriented Pittsburgh offense. Now, I still think Deontay Johnson is the best receiver on the team. I just wonder how other guys are kind of utilized in different aspects, especially in the red zone. I think you're going to see the tight end and Claypool are going to be guys who are usually going to be looked for. While I think in Tampa, you see Mike Evans almost always gets the red zone looks, but usually it's not him. It's going to be Godwin or one of the tight ends. I think Godwin's one of those guys that just, he's a mismatch. And because he can have different places on the field, he's going to have the opportunity to probably be more consistent overall. We lose Danner. I don't know. It looks like he did. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll just go ahead then. Um, had uh, had Juju Smith-Schuster not re-signed with the Steelers, the volume in Pittsburgh for Deontay Johnson would have been enough for me to be swayed Deontay Johnson over Chris Godwin. But with Juju back, he's going to command enough of a target share from Roethlisberger. Um, and with Roethlisberger being aging and it being a questionable offensive line scenario now, I'm going to lean towards Godwin as well, as I do believe Godwin's the better player. And with Juju back in Pittsburgh, Johnson just doesn't have the volume to entice me to take him over Chris Godwin. 
Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Yeah, I think that's definitely the case. Listen, I'm going to jump. I'm going to jump in here. Um, I, I like Chris Godwin a lot, and it's very, very crowded in Tampa. But we saw Tom Brady can support uh, the crowded supporting cast. Could we have seen a better version of Chris Godwin uh, had he been fully healthy last year? That's where we don't know the true ceiling of Chris Godwin in this <laughs> offense with Brady because he was banged up. Uh, you know, he'd be in, he'd be out, he'd be in, and he'd be out. Mm-hmm. Uh, my concerns, I have a lot more concerns about the future of the quarterback position in Pittsburgh than I do in Tampa. As of right now, I cannot say I'm, I, I, we have seen any regression from Tom Brady. Whereas Ben Roethlisberger, he looked outstanding from weeks 1 to 11, and then the entire team face-planted. My question is, you have the number one defense, or at worst, you have a top five defense. Why are you the number two team in passing plays per game? Why are you throwing that much? You don't have a need to. You can't run the ball. They signed Callum Balazs. I'm not really thrilled about that. (laughs) That's not going to do anything. And if you're going to ask Big Ben to throw that much, his arm's gonna his, his arm's gonna have a lot of wear and tear. It's almost like Drew Brees. Um, you know how Drew Brees would fall off at the tail end of the year, only we are seeing it a lot earlier with Ben Roethlisberger. I like to bust balls, but it, it's he, he doesn't look like he keeps himself in great shape in the offseason. Where like even this year we saw Drew Brees pushing the sled. Is he coming back? Drew, ben Roethlisberger didn't do that as a rookie, never mind now. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I have a lot of concerns. You know, talking about dynasty, who's going to be the quarterback in, in Pittsburgh next year? And if it's Ben Roethlisberger, I don't know if I want to own any of their receivers. Yeah. I mean, he's a great quarterback, Hall of Fame quarterback, but at this point, I, I don't trust it. And you well, guys put up the offensive line. That offensive line, you're losing Pouncey. They lost quite a few guys. I was going to ask you, though, Anthony, the offensive line was definitely deteriorating over the last few years, right. um, and I think that we kind of saw that. But also, Ben, I don't think it was necessarily he lost it as much as he hurt his knee. And once he hurt his knee, they went shotgun, and they just did all the quick passes. I don't know if it was just he couldn't step into his throws anymore, um, but I'm questioning more that, like, to your point, he's not necessarily the best shape. Um, I wonder if it wasn't just the knee thing that was really bothering him as much as where Drew Brees, it was definitely obvious that he's just throwing right. ducks out there. Um, I think Ben looked like he was just afraid to step into anything. And like I said, they weren't even having him under center half the time. 
from most of the yeah, game. I, I, don't think I know I just joined back in here. My internet kicked out on me for a little bit, but my my sentiment is exactly when it came to Ben Roethlisberger because there's been this big narrative going around that his arm's done, and all I can say is when you go back, you watch the tape, it wasn't until he hurt his knee where suddenly he couldn't throw the deep ball anymore. Now, he is he was naturally making the choice to throw the ball shorter from the beginning of the season more times than not, but he is able to get the ball down the field to Chase Claypool when he wanted to before he injures that knee. I believe that was against Cincinnati, if I'm not mistaken. From that point on, it was a little bit. It, it was it was it was crazy. The offense they were running because James Conner wasn't a factor anymore because they couldn't run the football and all that. Who didn't get to talk? Did anybody not get to talk while I was out? No, we're all good. No, we all we're all good. Turn. All right, we can we can move on and let's talk. I want to. I'm going to skip AJ Brown real quickly because I want to talk about a, a curious case here with John Brown. Kind of, he kind of reminds me of like you know when we had uh, our running backs and we had Mike Davis fell into the top ten when it came to consistency grades. John Brown comes in the top ten the consistency grades, uh, even though he only played, I believe it was uh, nine games on the season. Finishes the wide receiver seventy nine. So it's easy to see the big difference there, but. The reason I want to talk about him singly is because he's going to the Raiders where we just saw Nelson Aguilar maybe jumpstart his career and become a wide receiver 29. John Brown, I don't know how healthy he can stay for a full season, so we'll put that out there. But John Brown, to me, is hands down the number one target going to the Raiders. And this is a terrible defense, a terrible team in a high-powered offensive division. If John Brown was to stay healthy, let's say 12 games, 13 games, where do you think he's going to go? What do you think he can do, Anthony? Is John Brown like like Nelson Aguilar? Uh, it's hard for that co- the comparison for me. Um, I, I feel like John Brown's a little bit more of a polished receiver. Um, you know, you have Henry Ruggs. I'm drawing a blank on the other rookie that had a little bit of hype last Edwards. year. Edwards. Yeah, Brian Edwards. John Brown, yeah, in theory, John Brown should be the guy. But what is the Raiders going to do? This is a team that blew up their offensive line. They signed Kenyon Drake. They're already talking about putting him at wide receiver. Um, So fantasy football-wise, for John Brown, sure, I'll take a shot. I'm not going to overpay for him because I don't trust anything going on with John Gruden or the Las Vegas Raiders right now. I think it's a good landing spot if it works. But I am a little bit worried. Like, I, I'd rather take John Brown in best ball right now. No, I don't disagree with that. But that, that was kind of the point. Like, no one drafted Nelson Aguilar, and he became the wide receiver 29. And that, that's more my point on the – I'm not comparing, I'm not comparing uh, their skill sets, but they're more in their roles of if you're the number one receiver on that team and no one's draft because no one's going to draft eight, John Brown, redraft leagues even. I, I can't see him getting drafted any earlier than the 13th, 14th round, if, if at all. We're talking about a guy who has the potential, has a pathway to really have some value unexpectedly. Um, maybe that's just me. What do, what do you think, Lamar? Yeah, I got to agree there. Uh, kind of a surprising stat here. John Brown, before he was hurt last year, was 10th in uh, contested catch rate. So he makes those deep he makes those deep plays for uh, bad offenses. And I could see him doing that for Derek Carr in a similar way that Nelson Aguilar did. So I think that's a great comparison. Um Greg Olson needs to find ways to get John Brown the ball down the field because he might be 30 years old, but he could still play. And this Raiders team is probably going to be getting blown out a lot this year, and their offense is not going to be able to run the ball because they got rid of all their linemen. So I could see them getting behind in a lot of games, having to air it out, which is good for fantasy in terms of wide receivers. So I like John Brown as a late-round flyer value pick. 
I mean, ultimately, like Anthony said, I don't know if anybody knows what they're doing. Adam, what, what do, you, do you see a little stealer value, sleeper value there for John Brown? There could be, but I mean, I think it's worth noting that there nobody playing wide receiver, barring some crazy change, is going to be the real wide receiver one because that's Waller. Right. Like Waller is by far their best target. That being said, I think it's going to be interesting to see how how that Raiders passing attack goes because. As I mentioned in the in the quarterback consistency, I think Carr is relatively slept on, and I think he's one of the better deep ball throwers in the league, at least top 12 or so. And that could be a great fit for John Brown if it wasn't for the fact that Colton Miller is his only <laughs> offensive lineman worth a damn, which is not the best position to be in. If they can you know, scheme some protection for him and fi- like just figure everything out, then I, I think that John Brown could be a solid wide receiver three to maybe even a low-end wide receiver two. But there's just so many factors at play here that I think bar, like outside of that late-round flyer that you suggested, I don't think he's you know someone that I would lean on. Dahar, Kenyon Drake or John Brown, which one's the number one receiver on the Raiders? Next year? <laughs> I, go, I go Hunter Unfro. <laughs> Everybody's sleeping on Renfro, um, man. Just wait. <laughs> I know. You know, um, if, if Henry Ruggs takes a step up this year, how much of that goes to him that was going to Aguilar and that we're projecting to go to Brown? And, and that's another thing I'm thinking about. Mm-hmm. No, and, that, and that's a fair point because Ruggs and Brown are similar in that sense. The question is, do you believe Ruggs takes a step up? I'm not a Ruggs fan. I never was. So it's hard for, especially, and especially just, I do believe in John Brown as a nice polished receiver. It's just hard for me to believe he's going to take enough of a step to overtake Brown if they're both on the field at the same time. Dahar, give us, give us your two cents. I want to close out this segment so we can get to the next group. I just think that John Brown, like you said, maybe it's worth a, a late round flyer. Maybe you go in the 14th, 15th round, this is your fourth receiver that you're kind of add in and see if you get an upside and he blows up for you. But I think overall, nobody could trust Oakland's offense. I'm uh, not Oakland, I'm sorry, the Vegas's offense. And I, you look at what Gruden's doing right now, God knows who's going to be the leading target from week to week. I mean, John, John Brown should be a guy that Derek Carr looks for a lot. He does run good work patterns. He does do well as the featured guy. But I don't know if he's going to be the featured guy. Um, as Adam talked about, Waller's usually that guy. you got two running backs who can catch the ball. One who we talked about last show, Jacobs, who never gets thrown the ball in the first place. Um, and then you have all these other rookie receivers that they drafted with Ruggs and Edwards. And uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they draft another receiver or tight end this year. So I just think it's too hard to take anything other than a 14-15 round flyer on John Brown. Does anybody want to take A.J. Brown in the top five next year? No Corey Davis, no Arthur Smith, no Adam Humphreys. Josh Reynolds is their number two receiver. Does he make that leap to be a top five receiver this year? We'll uh, we'll start with Adam. I don't. <coughs> excuse me. I don't think he takes that big of a leap. I think a firm low end wide receiver one, maybe to seven eight, but I don't think the top five. Just I don't think even. He's not going to get the volume that someone like a, a Diggs or an Adams or a Hill, even a Hill, can get just because they're going to be a run-first team. And I think that the defense will probably improve at least a little bit. Maybe not to being average or much better than that. But I, I do think that overall, um, I, I can't see him taking that big of a step because I just don't think the volume will be there. 
I don't know, wide receiver 12, 14 games, 204 points, was banged up for most of the season, had a shared target with Corey Davis. Uh, I, I, I think I'm leaning towards it myself. What, what do you think, Lamar? I, I do think I, I have to agree with Adam's point that the volume is not going to be there because it is such a run first team. They rely so heavily, Mike Vrabel and, and the whole offense rely so heavily on King Henry to just carry the team and play the time of possession game and try to win games with their defense. And I, I also think their defense is going to uh, take a step up. But A.J. Brown, I think Josh Reynolds is good enough to take away the, the possibility of double teams all the time. So we're going to have to keep – he's good enough to keep defenses honest on A.J. Brown. And A.J. Brown has the big play capability to be in that top five receiver range for fantasy. I just don't trust it as a, as a, as a certainty because of the lack of volume. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. What are you thinking, Anthony? Yeah, I'm, I'm also worried about volume here for A.J. Brown. Uh, they lose Arthur Smith, but they promoted Todd Downing, in-house promotion, a tight ends coach. I'm going to assume he's going to run a similar, uh, similar type of offense uh, going behind Derrick Henry. I, and just because you peel away <clears throat> Corey Davis and John U. Smith is gone, uh, I, I think Anthony Fersker is, a, is an excellent tight end. I, I don't know how much of a downgrade, and that might sound crazy because all, of all the fantasy football hype on John U. Smith every year, but I think Fersker is going to be a pretty good tight end. Uh, you know, we're not going to ask a lot for the guy. He's not going to be Travis Kelsey, but can he replicate a nine touchdown season from John U. Smith? I think he can. Uh, Josh Reynolds buried in with the Rams. You know, he was buried behind at one time Brandon Cooks, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods. And when he was asked to start, he, he was he was okay. So I, I think he'll be a solid wide receiver there. I, I just don't see AJ Brown's target share going up to to allow him to make that leap into that like top eight, top five category in fantasy. Uh, I, I think if you put A.J. Brown uh, on the Chiefs or the Buffalo Bills, he's the wide receiver one easily. But because of where he's playing right now, uh, I'm just going to I'm going to draft him according. He'll be a wide receiver one somewhere. I'm not going to draft him assuming he's just going to start putting up, you know, Julio Jones numbers from three years ago. I can't do it. Dow Howard, could he have a season like Kenny Galladay did where he had 119 targets and because he wound up with 12 touchdowns and 1,300 yards off of those 119 targets, he's able to crack the top seven. I think you can see the top seven be cracked. Those numbers are achievable. I think the top five is a little too hard for him to get to. I'm not as worried about the, the volume. Um, I'm more concerned about A.J. Brown getting banged up. I think that's been something he's had an issue since college. He's going to be a guy who probably typically has an issue with two to three games a year. That's my biggest concern. That's why I don't consider him a top five. Um, I think that talent-wise and when he's out there production-wise, I think some of the guys missing, uh, I think that you guys make great points about Josh Reynolds and some of the first-year being um, still valuable targets or viable targets. But I do think – I don't think there's a guarantee that Tennessee's defense steps up, number one. I don't see anything yeah. that they did drastically differently that impresses me. Um, and I do think that teams are going to start making it harder and harder for Travis Henry to always beat you. Um, so I do think that there's something that – 
A.J. Brown should be utilized with, with getting rid of Humphreys. I think that helps because he actually going up in the slot more often, which I, I allows him to be more involved um, throughout the game. But I do have concerns about the Zazilia play of 12, 13 games. I mean, that, that that's fair. Uh, maybe I'm too much of a lover in A.J. Brown. I don't know. Uh, I think I think I can see him in the top five. I I, I really really not 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 top three because he can't he's not going to get the targets like you said it's Devon Diggs, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, but I don't think he needs 140 targets to crack that top five. And because he gets featured, I think without a Corey Davis, the way Stephon Diggs does in the sense of he'll be moved inside outside, he'll be the number one red zone target. I think there's a chance there. Now he might need 14 touchdowns to do it. But I think he can achieve that number, and that's kind of why I lean towards. I think he could be up there. But you know what? I'll take the, I'll take AJ Brown before the rest of you guys. That, that's fine. <laughs> but, <laughs> to be fair, he was the wide receiver seven in fantasy points per game. Yeah, no, he was, and that's that's kind of why I shot it over the Chris wide receiver seven. See what see what you guys thought there. Uh, let's talk about Keenan Allen, Justin Herbert, new offense. Does he get the double digit targets like he did? And if he does that, does he finally crack? Because this is a guy who I feel like he always hovers that low end wide receiver one, but really the volume should be there where he should be talking about top seven. He should be top seven in the in that category. What do you think when it comes to Keenan Allen, Anthony? In terms of is, is he going to be what? Is, can, can he be like can he be top eight this year with a Justin Herbert emerging? But even though it's a new offense. Yeah, I, I don't see them really shying away from how they ran the offense last year, even though it's going to be a different system. I do expect the defense to be better. They brought in the defensive coordinator from the Rams. Uh, a, you know, top to bottom, I always say the Chargers have a, a top three to five roster in the league. The issue is injuries. If this defense can stay healthy, maybe we don't see as much volume, but they're not just going to all of a sudden uh, take their foot off the gas. You know, when you have a guy like Justin Herbert who flashes the way he did in his rookie year, you don't see Kansas City or, or Josh Allen in Buffalo. They're not taking the foot off the gas, and I don't see that either with Justin Herbert. So it's a matter of Keenan Allen continuing to stay healthy now in year two with Justin Herbert. Uh, can he take that next level step? I think he can. What do you think, Dauer? I mean, I think that we saw last year that as long as Keenan and I was healthy and out in the field, Justin Herbert looked for him. I think there's no doubt that he can continue to do what he did. I don't really care about the scheme changes. Um, I think that if you look at kind of what the Rams offense ran – the Woods role, the Cooper Cup role, that's Keenan Allen's role. It's the same kind of player in a lot of senses. I think that he's going to be heavily featured um, unless there's some drastic changes in the receiving core, which I don't really foresee happening necessarily for the Chargers. I think Keenan Allen sits there as the top dog and has a kind of a key role. Um, he reminds me a lot of Reggie Wayne back in the Colts days um, where it was a guy who just you knew game in, game out was going to get those six to eight catches. You didn't know how many yards the slate was going to be, but you knew it was going to be 68 catches, maybe, you know, a touchdown here, and that week in, week out, you were going to get those as long as he's on the field. I think there's no doubt that Justin Herbert looks for him the majority of the time, and I think that doesn't change necessarily this year. Adam, can we finally move on from the Mike Williams is going to break out scenario? I think it's time. I think it's time. I, I don't see any indication that uh, that Herbert is, like, enamored with the guy. Like, I think he treats him like a solid wide receiver, too, sure, and that's 
what he is at this point. Like he, I don't see him being any more than that. And I mean the wide receiver too, obviously in that offense, not not right. for fantasy purposes. But I mean, in terms of fantasy, uh, I, as everyone else has mentioned, if um, as long as Keenan Allen's healthy, he's one of the best route runners in the league. He's one of the best possession guys in the league. There's no reason for him to not get those double digit targets, especially when, I mean, really, I think the only other guy who's as consistent as he is as a receiver on their team is Eckler, not Mike Williams or surely not Jalen Guyton. So I, I, how about Jared I, Cook? I, I was going to bring Cook up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think Keenan Allen's going to be fine. <laughs> I, I love Jared Cook here, by the way. Oh, oh, if you want to talk about a sleeper tight end that you may not have to draft at all, who should that perform well, that, that's him. That's the guy. If you like, Absolutely. I, I wait a quarterback every year. I also like to wait a tight end. And I'll tell you what, he's going to be right up there in my sleeper list. But, Lamar, what, what are your thoughts on Keenan Allen? Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty much just bouncing off everybody else's sentiments. I agree mostly with what you guys are saying. Uh, the scheme changes from Staley and Lombardi aren't enough to scare me. Uh, the departure of Hunter Henry means there's going to be volume to be made up for, and I don't believe it's going to be made up by Mike Williams. He is the deep ball threat that's never going to really break out as a true fantasy option week in and week out. So that leaves Keenan Allen to, again, as Howard mentioned, collect anywhere between six to eight to possibly more catches each each week. And as long as he stays healthy, he's going to be a top option. And um, I think Herbert's going to take us going up off of Anthony's point. I think Herbert's going to take that next step as well. Uh, Corey Lindsley bringing in Corey Lindsley from the Packers this off season was huge. I think he should have been in the pro bowl last year. I, th- I thought he was one of the bigger snubs. So um, looking at all that, I believe the Chargers' offense is going to be pretty formidable. And I think, um, I think uh, Pete and Allen's going to have another big year. I think he and Allen in, especially when it comes to redraft 2021 is that quintessential you decide half point, full point PPR. If you're going to go zero running back or not, because he's that guy you could probably still get in the third round, but his consistency, his targets is what really propels you. It's like, all right, if I went two receivers in the first two rounds and Keenan Allen sitting in the third round, knowing what his target share is going to be every single game. Do I just say, you know what? I'm going to go zero running back. I'm going to take my three receivers and I'm going to keep it going and do it that way. I feel like he's that guy, especially with now that you have a quarterback who can maybe throw the ball down to him down the field a little bit more, too. It doesn't have to be just in the five, 10 yard range like it seemed like it needed to be with Philip Rivers all the time. I want to get into Amari Cooper. I love Amari Cooper. That, listen, I had Amari Cooper ranked as my number seven wide receiver. I took so much flack for it, and I was going to be right. If Dak Prescott did not go down with an injury and it drives me nuts, Dak Prescott, stay healthy this year. Mari Cooper, top 10 receiver. I'm taking it right to the bank. And CeeDee Lamb only makes him better. Somebody tell me if I'm wrong. Please say I'm right. Anthony, we'll start with you. (laughs) Well, um... (laughs) <laughs> if Dak's healthy, listen, I'm a Cowboys fan, but trying to be unbiased, I do see C.D. Lamb taking that next step. I, 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 when it's all said and done, C.D. Lamb's going to be the number one wide receiver on this team, but this could be a 1A and 1B situation with these two guys. Uh, if Dak's healthy, we know he can support multiple top – or at least I believe he can support – two top 12 fantasy receivers, or at least two top 15 fantasy receivers. Uh, can I go as far as saying Amari Cooper is going to be like a top seven? I, I don't know if I can go that far. I actually see C.D. Lamb in that spot. Uh, but regardless, I, I, I think both 
Lamb and Cooper are going to be in that top 15 range if we get a healthy Dak, because we also have to factor in Ezekiel Elliott. Um, People are down on Zeke, and they're going to be down on Zeke. And if you remember the five games that Zeke played with um, Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott looked like Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah. So there's a lot, and you know, we have two tight ends. It's not just Blake Jarwin now. It's going to be Jarwin and Dalton Schultz because Schultz played really well with Blake Jarwin. Her, I think this offense, obviously, it's on Dak Prescott. But if they can figure out the offensive line, hopefully, they draft some depth because Tyron Smith can't stay healthy. Everybody else got hurt too. But it, it really starts with the line and, and Dak, and, and this offense could really explode the way we thought it would last year. What I love is that CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper, they complement each other with the roles that they play within the offense, which is why, to your point, Anthony, I think they both very much could be low-end wide receiver ones to high-end wide receiver twos, and I think that could possibly be the floor. Very, very high on this Cowboy offense. What, what are you seeing, Lamar? Uh, I'm seeing Dak is back. That's what I'm seeing. And when Dak is back, uh, Amari Cooper is one of the top receiving options of fantasy. So there's a lot of mouths to feed in Dallas. We know that. We know what the two tight ends. Is, is Michael Gallup still in Dallas? I'm yeah. caught. He, yeah. You got Michael Gallup there. You got CeeDee Lamb. You got Amari Cooper. A lot of mouths to feed, but I don't think volume is going to be an issue because Dak is borderline an elite quarterback at this point, and Kellen Moore has very interesting ways of having this offense become very potent. They were putting up, it seemed like, 40 points a game last year before Dak went down. You know, the defense is terrible. The offensive line is not what it used to be, but there's enough volume on this offense to to support definitely two top 15 to top 10 wide receivers, and Amari Cooper is going to be one of them. And, and last time I checked, not to rag on your team, Anthony, but I don't think that defense got any better last time I checked. Dowhauer, what what are you thinking? Um, I mean, I do like Anthony's point about CD Lamb. I think CD Lamb is going to be the most special receiver in Dallas, especially moving forward. Having said that, I don't think that's necessarily a, a drop off for Cooper, and I think that having Dak um, healthy the whole season, as we kind of saw last year, as long as he was out there, and Cooper was productive. He runs great routes. He's going to continue to be the guy that's kind of the featured um, third down guy, the guy that they can look for in key situations. I also think one of the things that got kind of under talked about last year is. Mario Cooper went into the season with a messed up toe. He was supposed to miss games. He had some surgery. I don't know if he was ever 100% healthy throughout the whole season last year. So it's going to be kind of curious to see, does he have another gear he can show us this year? Um, he didn't look quite as explosive last year, so I wonder, could he be even better with Dak and have more explosiveness as well? Adam, what, what, I, let's take it from the dynasty standpoint. Obviously, you have C.D. Lamb valued more than Amari Cooper. But are you still in the long game with Amari Cooper, even though, let's say, maybe they do try to move on from his contract after next season? Yeah, uh, what we talked about last episode uh, with John was that if you're playing if you're playing more than three years out, you're playing it wrong. So I don't I I can live with Amari Cooper for the next three years, regardless of where he goes, because I think he's a top end talent. Now I am worried that because of the sheer amount of weapons in Dallas that this year he could be stuck as a as a high high end wide receiver too to maybe you know getting into 12 or 11 just because I'm a I'm a Gallup believer, I'm a Schultz believer and I think if Jarwin comes back from that injury okay, I'm a Jarwin believer. It's just it's going to be tough. There's just so many options there for him to be, you know, in that top 10. So basically what we're all saying is that Dak Prescott has a chance to be QB1 next year? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, 
I, I honestly oh, think there's yeah. a real chance that he could be the. I don't mean a QB one. I mean the yeah, QB yes. one next year with all Talk those weapons out. and everything like that. Hey guys, hey, you guys got Bush? Because you definitely do. If you have not tried the best products from our sponsor for today, which is Manscaped. After using these life-changing products, you're going to want to join a ball sack beauty contest. And I'm looking out for you, too, because I have an exclusive 20% offer for you guys. If you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY, use it and get the 3.0 Perfect Package Kit. It comes with the Essential Lawnmower 3.0 Waterproof Cordless Body Trimmer and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your grooming routine. So just use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY for 20% off and free shipping. So the next segment, we're not going to get into everybody because we're running out of time, but I do want to talk about a few names, kicking it off, most importantly, probably with DK Metcalf, who from a consistency standpoint, winds up being our wide receiver 13, we're 69% of the time, top 36. Now, this has a lot to do with the nose dive that we referenced earlier with Russell Wilson towards the end of the season. I, I, think, D, I think ranking DK Metcalf is a very, very curious case right now because what is Seattle's offense? I want to start with Anthony on this one. Where are you thinking about DK Metcalf next season? I'm a little bit worried about DK Metcalf, and it's not because of DK Metcalf. It is because of Seattle's offense. They've retained Chris Carson, and that's huge because a healthy Chris Carson, he's really the heartbeat of the offense. That's what uh, Pete Carroll wants to do. He wants to run the football. He wants to give it to Chris Carson. And that takes a little bit of the opportunity away from DK Metcalf and, and Tyra Lockett. Um, the defense in Seattle is going to play a huge role on volume for DK Metcalf. Are we going to see the defense from the first eight weeks, which was historically bad, or the, the second half that, you know, while the Seattle offense regressed, we saw this defense play like a top 10 unit. There's a lot of question marks here, and this is another one of those situations to where it's going to be cost-driven on, on how much DK Metcalf I roster. Okay, Adam, what do you think? And I, I, Gerald Everett, let's not forget about him. I think he's going to be a huge, huge weapon for that offense. Well, they're talking about, from what I heard, that Will Disley actually has the lead. As of now, I mean, we haven't gotten into practice yet, but that Will Disley could wind up being the starter. Did you ever no. hear anything about that? Yeah, but do, can we trust Will Disley's health? I mean, Disley was there last year. It wasn't even a blip on the radar, and I like Will Disley. No, and that's that's the point. He has not been healthy at all for the past for the past two seasons. Adam, what, what do you think when it comes to DK Metcalf? Yeah, I, I think uh, you hit the nail on the head there, Anthony. I I think the issue is is that we don't know what that Seahawks offense will be, and, and until I know, like like you said, it's got to be cost driven. I'm going to treat him as a, I mean, honestly, probably value wise, probably a high to mid wide receiver too, because I he could be that low if they're a the run first offense that Pete Carroll clearly wants. And I think that Russell Wilson, you know, will probably argue his way out of it and be able to, you know, will be able to get some passes in there, but I'm not sure. So I'm not going to do it unless the the cost is right. He finished the wide receiver five and half point PPR leagues last year. Dahauer, what do you think when it comes to Metcalf? I'm absolutely love with DK Metcalf. Um, I think that he's the superstar in the making and that, we saw a similar player in a similar scheme. You talked a lot about the scheme. We're going to see pretty much what we saw in the Rams scheme. Um, that's what Walton kind of brings with them. It's just a classic, you know, more of a West Coast idea scheme. I think he's T.O. all over again. 
And I think that you see the blow up here come this year. I think that last year the questions were, was it going to be him or Tyler Lockett? I think those answers, those questions were clearly answered. DK is the man at the receiving core. And I think that if that continues to be the case, this is a guy who's going to get better as a pattern, better running patterns. Is one of the most explosive receivers out there. Nobody can guard him. Um, and I don't think that Russell Wilson is going to come into this year not trying to throw touchdown passes. I think Russell Wilson has a bone to pick with that Seattle team in some, in some kind of ways. We saw Aaron Rodgers kind of had that bone to pick the year before and how much Adams got targeted. Um, I think that you're going to see DK become more and more involved. I think that the Pete Carroll thing is overblown. He's always wanted to run the ball. Um, it's not like Daryl Bevel was like a, a you know, air it out kind of coordinator. Um, so I think that what we saw last year was just a team that kind of didn't learn how to adjust to what they were trying to do. They were able to use the play action a lot and early on and go deep and push the ball down the field. What they kind of lost as the season progressed was the ability to run the ball. And I think the teams wouldn't respect them to run the ball. Then you could play, you know, see if he's six, seven yards off, the, you know, back off the line of scrimmage. Um, I think that's what we saw a lot of last year that kind of caught up with Seattle's teams that started playing, you know, cover three shell against them and keeping all the safeties back and they couldn't throw in front of them. I think this year, if you have any kind of running game, um, and I think that that the West Coast system will kind of bring is a little bit more tackling the edges. I think you're going to see DK, DK be, be able to use perfectly because he's going to be able to do that, that fake block and then kind of get off of routes for that way. You're going to see him being motioned a lot. I just see him having a really big year for Seattle. Okay, I'm more in line with you, but... I am. I'm a little scared, not because of DK, but because of Russell Wilson. Because Russell Wilson, even even you know, last year was a crazy, drastic difference between beginning and end. But he always has that streak where he gets crazy hot and then he cools way off. You keep going back. It used to be it happened at the beginning of the season and he would catch fire towards the end. Now all of a sudden, the last I believe two to three years, it's flip flopped. Lamaro, does that part scare you when it comes to DK, or is it what everybody else is saying? Uh, Lamar, I think you're muted. Sorry about there, that. You're good. <laughs> the um, the inconsistency in the passing game, I think, is one of the central reasons that Pete Carroll wants to play smash mouth football and play defense. The only problem with that is that the Seahawks, the personnel in the Seahawks offense, uh, it aren't tailored to play that style of football. They're more tailored to be a passing offense. They have Tyler Lockett, they have DK Metcalf, they have Russell Wilson. Obviously, they have problems on the line. But this isn't 2014 anymore. We're not looking at Marshawn Lynch in the backfield. We're looking at Chris Carson, who's definitely a serviceable running back, but he's not a transcendent type of uh, type of running back like Marshawn Lynch was. So I think just because of the personnel fits on the Seattle offense, no matter what Pete Carroll wants to do, he's going to learn over the course of the season that the, that the best chances of the Seattle team winning will come when he lets Russ cook. And that means big production for DK Metcalf. He's a man-child. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you got to love watching him play, if nothing else. I want to skip ahead to Terry McLaurin because I want to talk about the magic or non-magic of Ryan Fitzpatrick and what he does for his number one receivers. I'm going to put this out there right away. I don't care about Curtis Samuel when it comes to Terry McLaurin at all in any capacity whatsoever. I love, 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 love. And I can't believe I'm saying this because I'm not a Ryan Fitzpatrick guy. If you guys, we've been working together for a few weeks now. I've talked to Anthony. He's, had, he's been on my show one, one other time before. What you guys don't know about me is that I'm not an underdog guy. I don't care about the Ryan Fitzpatrick story. I don't care about the Gardner Minshew story. I want them to actually be good. I don't care. So anytime teams sign Ryan Fitzpatrick, I'm just rolling my eyes. I'm like, you got a guy who you're not going to go to the playoffs with. But in this instance, with Terry McLaurin, fantasy purposes only, 
I'm super, super excited because now McLaurin has a legitimate shot to actually finish as a top 12 wide receiver. Are you with me, Dowhauer? I'm absolutely with you. Um, I think we saw last year when Fitz is out there, he gets his playmakers the ball. He's going to do it come hell or high water. Um, the one thing that people seem to kind of forget, oh, I'm not a Fitzpatrick fan necessarily either. He didn't get benched for pro play last year. He got benched the rookie. But when he played, he balled. So, I mean, there's nothing that makes me feel like he can't be productive. And I look at the Washington offense, and there's nobody really strikes fear in me that's going to take away his targets. You talk about Curtis Samuel. The only reason I'd be going to Curtis Samuel is if Kyle, or if Kyle Allen becomes a quarterback or something along those lines. Otherwise, I think Terry McLaurin's going to eat. I definitely think he's a top 12. I think he's going to sniff the top five consistency-wise because I think this is going to be a player that you're going to see that when he was healthy last year, he was already productive despite poor quarterback play that they had in Washington and not really knowing how often he was going to be targeted. With Fitz, you know you're going to get seven to eight targets. You're going to get peppered as number one target um, in Washington, and that's what he does all the time consistently. So I think there's no way that Terry McLaurin is not in the top ten and if maybe he's setting in the top five. I love it. Anthony, what are you thinking? Yeah, I'm all in on Terry McLaurin, and we can't forget about Curtis Samuel, but I actually think Curtis Samuel is going to have a positive impact on Terry McLaurin because not only has McLaurin not had a, 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 a decent quarterback, but he didn't really have a lot of help in terms of anybody taking the pressure off him. You know the ball was going in his direction. So I do think Curtis Samuel is going to have a positive impact, take some of the pressure off of McLaurin. You have a quarterback now who can throw the deep ball. He's going to take shots because at 38 years old, he's not going to get benched or maybe he gets benched, but he's, he, you know, we know what Ryan Fitzpatrick is. He's a journeyman backup. All of a sudden his career catches fire. And I think the reason why it did catch fire is because he does take those shots because he has nothing to lose personally. So yeah, Terry McLaurin, barring an injury or or anything else to McLaurin or Fitzpatrick, he should be a top 10 fantasy receiver in PPR or in any format. I don't even know if anybody plays anything but PPR anymore. <laughs> I, mean, I do. I try to base my stuff off a of half point and, and kind of keep it at that right. half point, full point. But yeah, the, I, no receiver, double teams, and no quarterbacks. That's what Terry McLaurin's career has been so far. Yep. Lamar, where are you at? You took the words right out of my mouth. This is the first time in Terry McLaurin's career that defense, that defensive schemes when the opposing teams play Washington are not going to be solely focused on Terry McLaurin. And I think that's going to produce some great results for fantasy owners. Uh, I totally agree with Anthony here that um, the addition of Curtis Samuel, not only am I not scared of it, I think it it greatly benefits uh, McLaurin's fantasy status going forward this season. I'm all in on him as well. I'm going to be super high on him in drafts this year. I hope I don't regret it. I had him last year, and he was pretty damn good. So I'm looking at the situation last year compared to what he's got this year with Fitzmagic and the defense going, uh, and I think that uh, McLaurin's going to have a big year. Adam, how high would you be willing to pay up for Terry McLaurin in dynasty leagues? How much would you be able to trade away? What would you? How high would you draft him in a startup? Um, I think that I'd say his ceiling uh, for for twenty for twenty twenty one is about wide receiver ten to me, just because of how good the defense is, and because I think that if he improves in pass pro, Antonio Gibson could be incredibly productive. Um, but Brian Fitzpatrick is by far the best quarterback he's played with. And, you know, all of those other things you've already mentioned. So I don't need to get that into that too much. But with him being a, a young talent and a, that's on a good team with a solid coaching staff, I, I mean, I'd be willing to 
give up quite a bit for him. I, I think you can value him similar to his his peak because I think he's only going to get better. I think his situation's only going to get better. I think that organization is definitely only going to get better. They've been making all of the right moves over the last year or so, except for, you know, Snyder still being there. But <laughs> otherwise, <laughs> they're doing great. <laughs> And they're naming the team the correct thing, according to Anthony, as well. There's one more receiver that I want to get into before we wrap up tonight's show. I want to talk about DeAndre Hopkins because he is number 21 on our consistency grade, but he did finish as the wide receiver's sixth last season. Now, a lot of this can get chalked up to when Kyler Murray was injured and he wasn't able to run around. He was a different quarterback, and when he was a different quarterback, Hopkins also suffered at that rate. So, when you're drafting a DeAndre Hopkins and you see that he finishes wide receiver six, but he consistency wise is more of a wide receiver two, where are you valuing him for 2021, Lamaro? I'm valuing DeAndre Hopkins pretty high just because of the sheer volume that he's going to see in that Cardinals offense. Uh, I see Kyler Murray not being a pocket quarterback by any means, but taking a little bit more of a conservative approach to how he goes about playing the position just to keep himself on the field, keep his health right. Because as you mentioned, when he, when he had that lower leg injury, he was a different quarterback um Hopkins is his guy he's obsessed with throwing to him he's more or less the only big play receiver that he really has on that team I mean I don't want to take any credit away from uh, Kirk or Isabella or any of those guys but I believe that he's going to be throwing Hopkins a lot so if you're looking at the way that this Cardinals team is going to operate it's going to go through Hopkins if they're going to have any sort of success on the offensive side of the ball so I'm pretty high on him again this year Dowhower, does AJ Green do anything for his value both not negative or positive I mean, not the A.J. Green we saw last year. He had no effect on anything. But if it's that A.J. Green is semi-between last year and the year before, um, he had a little bit of pep. I think maybe it changes a little bit in the red zone. Um, my All of my fear for the for Arizona's offense and for the receiving is that they like to run the ball run the ball with, in the red zone with Kyler Murray or the running backs. Um, and then Kyler Murray doesn't, isn't super effective or efficient in the red zone throwing the ball. So I do wonder if you have to you're using AJ Green more in the red zone or you're using him more as your go to um, jump ball guy and things along those lines. If Hopkins suffers a little bit along those lines, but PPR wise, I think he's going to have a gazillion eight yard catches. Um, so I think that's something that you can definitely bank on and you can pretty much, you know, look for consistency consistently. I mean, Adam, does Arizona just have a rule that a that you have to have a an over the hill receiver playing a big man slot receiver role? Is is that a rule in Arizona? Do you know? I have no idea, but it's certainly <laughs> shaping to be be that way. But in all seriousness, I think that the problem that what what you saw with this consistency was one, of course, the um, the Kyler injury. But I mean, he had. So many yards, so many targets, and just six touchdowns. Like, I, I can't fathom a way that that continues into next year, especially not. I will wear it on my chest. I've always been a big Kyler guy. I really believe in him, and I, I you know, I think that he can take that step, step even if it is as, you know, more in the pocket than he was. Uh, so, yeah, I, I believe in Hopkins being a, a top five receiver as a, a pretty strong possibility. Anthony, where are you ranking him in 2021 off the top of your head? DeAndre Hopkins? Yes. Uh, he, he's going to be in my top five or top six. Uh, I, I like DeAndre Hopkins a lot. But, I, I again, I have question marks earlier in the offseason. Uh, you know, I know Kyler Murray's a little bit banged up. But the issue with Kyler Murray 
is how much he did run the football last year. It was almost like Lamar Jackson-esque for a, for a good stretch of the year. And, and I think that's a reason why we only saw those six touchdowns from DeAndre Hopkins. So if we see a, a step from Kyler Murray, and it's a similar step where Josh Allen, uh, Allen didn't run the ball as much as, as he normally did earlier in his career last year, threw it a lot more, uh, which was really good for a Stephon Diggs and the rest of those receivers. If Kyler Murray takes a similar step, even if we do see a regression in yards from DeAndre Hopkins, I do think that touchdown number can potentially go up. So I, I don't know if we're going to have a, a wide receiver, number one wide receiver or overall number one receiving season from DeAndre Hopkins, but he's going to be a surefire top five guy. Yeah, I mean, you can't, can't really disagree with that. Uh... I mean, Kyler rushed for 11 touchdowns. Yeah, that that's where I'm kind of with you because I worry about Hopkins. I don't know if I can even when I go and project him. I don't know if I'm going to be projecting him for nine touchdowns. I, I think seven or eight is probably where I'm going to keep him at, and I think that that keeps him maybe because of the overall volume he's able to maintain that wide receiver six like he was this season. But I think it keeps him in that borderline. Are you a top five guy really? And I'm definitely not drafting him in the sense of with the Stephon Diggs and Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams of the world. And you know what? It, I'm, I will take him ahead of A.J. Brown. I'm not psycho. But I think it's going to be kind of close in my book, quite frankly, because I worry about the lack of touchdowns. But that's going to do it for our show today. Anthony, I want to thank you so much for coming on. Uh, your absolute pleasure. Really added a lot to the show. and really, really appreciate it. Please tell everybody what your next show is going to be and where to follow you and everything like that. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Um, I will actually uh, will be live tomorrow uh, with uh, Detroit BC over at the FF Faceoff. We're going to be discussing top rookie landing spots for fantasy football. We'll be coming back on Thursday uh, with John Lobb, uh, really just talking about the, the top of the first round, uh, what these trades mean, what players could potentially go where, uh, and, and other implications, not so much of a fantasy, but just more of a general NFL show uh, on Thursday with John. And you can follow me at The Real NFL Guru. You can follow my show at The FF Faceoff. And a lot of my written content can be found over at The Game Day NFL now. Yeah, and uh, guys, I'm not just saying that because he's here. Anthony is truly one of the best minds in the business when it comes to everything football-related, fantasy, and betting as well. Uh, Lamaro, what are you working on? Tell everybody where to follow you. So I'm uh, right now I'm working on an article about uh, Kenny Galladay's fantasy value. I'm curious about whether he's going to be a better or worse fantasy option in the Giants offense this year. Um, and anybody who wants to follow me, you can follow me at BellyUpChris on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, any of my written content you can find at uh, BellyUpSports.com or BellyUpFantasySports.com. And um, I come on the show every, every, Tuesday, every other Tuesday at 8.30, so I'll be back, and I'm excited for it. Adam, you just had an article come out, didn't you? Uh, it was on Saturday morning. Yeah. Yeah, I had uh, the Tier 5 of my uh, vet-only Dynasty RB rankings. I'll have Tier 4 out at the end of this week, maybe seek into the or slip into the weekend. Uh, yeah, I'll have Tier 4 out uh, end of this week. Awesome, awesome. And Dowhauer, you're going to be with me on Friday, 11 a.m. on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network from 11 to 12.30 we are, I almost forgot what we're going to be talking about for a second. We're, we're going to be talking about the NFL draft running backs and a couple more of the free agency moves that have happened because, you know, there's big things to talk about, like Kalen Blige time with the Pittsburgh. No, I, we're not, we're not going to talk about that too much. <laughs> Huge. We're going to break down a lot of the NFL draft running backs. And everything like that. You can, yeah, exactly. You can always follow us 
at BellyUpMDFFShow on all of your social medias. And, of course, check out the BellyUpFantasySports.com website. Guys, had a wonderful time. Everybody, take care. We'll see you in two weeks. Great show, guys. Good stuff. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.